Welcome to Cheers to Beers, the podcast that lasts as long as a pint. I'm your host, Jess, and uh, welcome. Grab a beer. Let's drink. (laughs) In case you haven't listened before, this is how the podcast goes. I grab a friend or a foodie or someone from the industry, and they choose the beer, we drink it, and we talk about it. This week, uh, it's a little bit of a sea pine brewing theme. Uh, I am joined by Steve Little who is the sales dude for Sea Pine, and I've known him for a couple years. Um, he used to be the seller manager at Burgundian, which is how we met, and um, has just been like kicking ass at Sea Pine ever since. Uh, if you live in the Seattle area, you may have noticed that it's kind of popping up around, um, not only within the city, but around it too. And Sea Pine has just got some really solid beer, so I am excited to see a really quality brewery you know doing well and getting their stuff out there so it's cool we recorded this at the brewery um which is funny uh we recorded in steve's office and it was nighttime at this point and uh all we had was this little tiny light like i legit don't know how he does any work and like it was whatever the smallest wattage of light bulb there is it was dimmer than that so I'm assuming he just stops working when uh the sun goes down it kind of set the mood it was it was nice little ambiance I suppose uh but before we got to drinking Steve took me for a little tour around the brewery which is really nice if you guys haven't made it down to Sea Pine I highly recommend it they are located in Soto uh just the classic warehouse style down there you know um I uh, got this beautiful wood bar. I think uh, Steve said it was Douglas fir that the owner himself made. It's it just got this like rustic, nice, comfortable vibe. Um, and apparently the owner did like all the decorating, all the design, and it's just a good spot. So if you're ever, you know, in downtown, just uh, hit up Soto just a couple minutes away. And Sea Pine's also located in this nice little hub where they've got like ghost fish brewing across the street, which is the gluten-free brewery. Uh, it's right next to Westland Distillery, like the best whiskey in Seattle. Um, so yeah, check it out. If you guys have not, hopefully this podcast will convince you to drink some sea pine. But while Steve was giving me a little tour of uh, what's going on there, it looks like they're starting to do some barrel aging stuff, which is really exciting. It's the first time they're ever doing that. Uh, So we got to see their barrels. And another really cool thing that he showed me was they've got this like mother batch of yeast. And how they made it was the crew got together. They all drank their favorite bottled beers. And when they finished, they poured all that yeast residue from the bottle into the mother batch. And it's kind of like their creation that comes from you know, beer lovers, beer makers, and creators uh, drinking their favorite beer together and then like putting it all together to form something new. So I really love that sense of community and having them do something different. I don't know. Maybe other breweries have done this before. I personally have never heard of it. So go see Pine. So Steve is a certified Cicerone. Um, in case you don't know what a Cicerone is, it's basically like a sommelier of beer. So just a beer expert. You have to go through this like intense certification. Um, So it's great to talk to someone who has that level of expertise. 
uh, and just give some really great information, especially when we kind of get into the technicalities of brewing lagers and German style beers. And that's kind of something that I learned about sea pine. Um, usually when I see them around, it's a typical pale or IPA, but today we drank a Doppelbach called Monk's Meal. Uh, and I haven't had a Doppelbach or any sort of Bach in like a long time. And I don't know if it's just because I'm always trying to drink locally and seeing German style beers by local breweries isn't really a thing. Uh, but this Doppelbach was freaking good, dude. Like <laughs> it was good. And that's kind of something that Seapine's working towards is doing these more traditional German style beers that are like solid. You know, sometimes a brewery, it's like Oktoberfest or whatever. And they're just like, oh, let's let's put on something, you know, German and it's fine and it's different, but it's not like their expertise, whereas Sea Pine really kind of is nailing these styles. All right, guys. So if uh, you are listening now, go ahead and pause this. If you don't have a beer in your hand and go grab something, maybe uh, something German would be a good fit for this episode. Uh, so I'll wait here. You will get that beer. All right, you got that beer. And lastly, don't forget to go on over to the blog, cheers to beersnw.com. I have been trying to post more frequently. I'm trying to go out to breweries more instead of doing a, a bottle haul and just bringing stuff to drink back at home. So uh, there's some good stuff up there, especially I've been trying to uh, expand my malt palette. So uh, trying to step outside, maybe go for some more British ales and kind of the spirit of, you know, drinking some German style stuff. So check that out. And if you want some additional beer content, you can follow me on Instagram at Jess Jess DVD. Okay, let's get to it. This episode, Steve gives advice on how to grind in the industry if you have a passion for it, why learning about beer isn't pretentious, but good for the community and a cat named Wart. Grab a beer and join us. Let's talk about beer. Cheers. Okay, cool. So you want to tell us what this beer is called and everything about it? Absolutely. <laughs> so this is our winter seasonal lager, the Monk's Meal Doppelbach. Monk's Meal uh, comes from uh, back in the 1500s when uh, German monks would fast for Lent. They would go without bread. Instead, they would consume this heavier, dark lager uh, that as a now kind of morphed into what is now known today as Doppelbach. So I guess that's just where the name comes from, the Monk's Meal or Monk's Meal. Has this been something you guys have been brewing since the beginning, or is this a newer? Uh, this is the second on? second time we brewed it. The first time we brewed the beer was about this time last year. We only ever do one big batch of it every single year. So when it's out, it's out. And when it's gone, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, before we cheers and take a sip, um, you were saying before we got on mic that my the head on mine has settled really nicely. It's just so fluffy. I almost like don't want to ruin how beautiful it looks. Um, <laughs> this color's pretty dark too. Um, it might be because we're in a dimly lit office, but also it looks like it's black. Uh, almost. I mean, it's definitely uh, you know reddish on the on the edges. You know, it's definitely not going to be an imperial stout. Where you just got you know just super dark malts, um, you know it's it's still gonna be somewhere maybe in like the mid 30s I believe on the SRM scale. I'm not uh, I'm not as well versed as I used to be uh, back when I was studying for the Cicerone 
but I believe it's somewhere, yeah, you know, dark, dark, very dark reddish uh, to almost dark brown hue. And it smells so good, too. Very roasty. Okay, let's cheers. <laughs> that was a good, like, Stein clunk. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's really good, actually. Because it still holds its own. It's not like it's giving you a false sense of what it's going to be based on the color and smell. It still is, like, a good wintertime beer and roasty and it's got Party. some body. Yeah, I it's, like that. It's definitely a, a meal in a glass kind of a beer. <laughs> Yeah, it's about eight. I believe it's eight point seven percent. You know, very little IBUs here because the the focus of this beer is the uh, the the yeast and the uh, the malt. What uh, malt of is the yeast? Beer. Do you know? What what kind of yeast? What are both malt and yeast? Uh, not positive uh, on either of those. Exactly what we use. Uh, I mean, it's a doppelbox, so it's going to be a a lager yeast. Um, for all of our German beers, we only use German malt. Wehrman malt. We use Wehrman malt exclusively for this beer. It's delicious. A Doppelbach is considered a lager? Yes. Well, a, lo- a lager is a lager because it uses lager yeast. There's okay. two different kinds of yeast strains. Um, a terrible comparison is uh, just to kind of visualize for those who aren't as, as well-versed. Uh, maybe like a red wine versus a white wine as far as ale versus lager. Uh, ales like to ferment at a little bit warmer temperatures, ferment a little bit faster, have uh, a little more of a fruitier characteristic, uh, whereas lagers, uh, slower fermentation time. Uh, they ferment also on the bottom versus ales fermenting on the top. Well, I guess I was just, like, curious because, like I was saying, it's so, like, roasty and it still has a richness to it that is that the malt that just gives it that effect? Yes. Okay. It's very much the uh, the malt. The malt is uh, very much in the forefront of the flavor of this beer. Uh, much how, you know, with an IEPA, it's more of a study on the hops. Right. This beer is focused more on the hearty, malty flavor of the beer. It's great. I feel like I I don't know too much about German styles or like drink a lot of them, but I feel like I've had double box in the past that I felt just kind of more disappointed than anything. But this like is actually like I said, it's holding its own and it has a depth of flavor that maybe I haven't experienced in the past. Um, that's well, that's fantastic here. I mean, we're <laughs> we're definitely a brewery that tries to pride ourselves on making good German beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, we definitely really. I mean. Kind of, I guess, our focus at Sea Pine is hoppier beers like IPAs and pale ales. But then also, we love to really come back and hit hit people with, you know, just a really good classic Pilsner or yeah. uh, Maybach or you know some of these styles you don't quite see as much. At the same time, you know, are really great beers if done properly. And so that's something you know we really really try to stay, stake our name to. For sure. No, that's great. Was there any reason in particular that you chose this one off the draft list? Is it just like your current favorite or one of the seasonals? Uh, I would say it's definitely one of my current favorites. Uh, I also just kind of love the name Monk's Meal. Uh, it's pretty good. Because <laughs> I'm kind of a geek when it comes to history, and it's also a alliteration, so I'm also, <laughs> just, I guess, easily entertained. Uh but yeah, no, I, I I think it's a pretty tasty brew. Uh, I think for being, 
a beer within its style. It's a rather dynamic beer that we have that we make, and uh, I think it's a great beer to kind of showcase who we are as a brewery and what who we like to be, and who who, who we want to be <laughs> seen as. I guess. Right, and what you're talking about, like trying to focus on making these lesser uh, lesser known in terms of like West Coast America. Uh, styles of beer, these German styles, it's like, it's it's good to see them done well because if it's not done that well and it turns out kind of like meh and kind of like flat, then maybe that person isn't going to try that again. But if they have a good Doppelbach or if they have a good Maybach, whatever the situation is, it's like that can totally change someone's perspective as a beer drinker and turn them in a new direction of styles they may have not tried otherwise. Absolutely. Well, I mean, so, you know, part of the reason why you don't see as many loggers in general uh, in uh, just Ameri- from, from American brewers is because, uh, as I said before, you know, it takes longer to f- ferment. You know, you're fermenting at a, at a lower temperature, so the yeast has a much slower metabolism to process all the uh, fermentable sugars. And so consequently, you know, I can brew an IPA. I can brew three batches of IPA for every batch of lager that I make. And if you're just a small brewery that doesn't really have a whole lot of money and you're just starting out, well, you know, you got to pay the rent somehow. So <laughs> that's why you see most people doing mo- just predominantly ales. Definitely. Uh, and also when they do brew lagers, they don't have as much practice with it. So it's just not going to be as refined of a beer. Um, however, you know, there's many other, there's many breweries like us, I would say, you know, Chuckanut, Silver City, Chainline, kind of the three that to me that just jump out that, you know, are trying to change that uh, in the way in which people think about, well, American drinkers at least think about beer and how we drink it, you know, and trying to give people new flavors. And this is this is definitely something that is, uh, you know, I guess something that we're, we're trying to push in that regards because these kind of styles are great and they, they definitely have their niche. I'm not saying it's going to be the next greatest thing. At the same time, it's a very enjoyable, delightful beer. It is, absolutely. And I'm curious, so how long has Sea Pine been around for? So Sea Pine has a bit of a funny history in that, uh, so Drew Culpitz, who is the uh, majority owner and head brewer of the brewery, he started, he incorporated the business in 2011 and first started brewing beer in 2012 over on 4th Avenue in a space that was about 750 square feet three-barrel system, which means he could brew a a six-keg batch for every time he was brewing. Yeah. Uh, Just over a year ago, he completed the transfer over to the location that uh, we are in right now, which is about 6,000 square feet and a 15-barrel brew house. Uh, What that did was essentially, instead of Drew having to do all, all disciplines of the business, everywhere from... Uh, selling, delivering, and brewing the beer. Uh, now he's able to really kind of get back to what he always has wanted to do, which is just brew his own beer. Um, I was brought on to be the uh, sales guy. We had another guy come on that had been helping him out before the move to do all the uh, keg washing and deliveries. And then also uh, he brought up his friend Mike Hudson, who was our uh, uh, production brewer and cellar master to do uh, to just kind of help them out around the brew house. So we kind of have been evolving ever since day one, and this place is was honestly always started on a shoestring, 
and just you know, as soon as we as soon as we could sell all the beer, you know, we're gonna figure out how we're gonna make more beer and right. just keep growing and growing and growing until we get to a point where we feel we're comfortable. Um, you know, b- before we started, before Jess and I started talking here, we, uh, you know, one of the things we're, projects we're starting to try and work on now is doing barrel aging beers, which is something that we're really excited about. But something that is very much un- unknown territory, uh, well, a lot of unknown territory about the brewery or in, in beer in general. But that's just know. part of the expansion that you're talking Abs- about. Absolutely, it's just one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And just just trying to you know. Just try and keep making amazing beer and always, you know, having fun with it. Um, one of the things Adam, our delivery driver, always kind of says is it's like, kind of feels like we're in a rock band sometimes <laughs> where it's just like, you know, it's just like you're just going from gig to gig to gig. And right. every single gig, you're just trying to play your heart out and just trying to do everything you can. And, you know, hopefully people love it. Hopefully there's perception to it. And, you know, just go from there, you know, just keep fighting every single day. Right. And I don't know if this is just my own bias and habits of where I drink, but I feel like I've been seeing more sea pine on tap places that I may not have expected it. Thank you. (laughs) And that's always exciting, especially like, what has it been? Only like four years, really, that things have been like going. Well, and it wasn't even then. I mean, so uh, when it was just Drew, he had maybe about 10 accounts and uh one of the one of i mean my main things coming on here was to grow that number which we've grown that number to maybe 250 accounts just kind of off the top of my head which one foot one foot in front Mm -hmm. of the other kind of getting back to what i was saying earlier and about just always always trying to get the beer out always trying to get the beer uh you know day of fresh that's i guess one of the biggest things that we always try to strive for is if you're getting a keg of sea pine, if they're if the bar is tapping it the day that they received it, there's a strong likelihood that that keg may have, that beer may have been sitting in a bright tank that morning. That's pretty cool, and it's good to know that. From I mean, like, I feel like it, you can already assume there's going to be a relationship between craft beer and quality, but I don't know. Sometimes that might slip through <laughs> a well, little bit, and it's good to know that. I mean, like. That if that's what you guys are dedicated to here, Island, that's what you want to deliver, and that you guys are doing that, that's pretty badass. Well, they, I mean, you know, that's that's part of the reason why you want to buy local in many ways. Mm-hmm. Is uh, you know, say you're listening to this podcast out in Ellensburg, and you know, like buy, buying that, getting that beer that's made down the street from you versus coming from California or uh, Florida or wherever. You know, I mean, you get you're getting the beer as exactly the brewer intended it to be you're getting that beer you know as fresh as possible and you're also helping out the guy that's down the street from you versus you know some some guy who's all the way out and who who knows where <laughs> right you know i mean that's 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 part of the reason why you buy local yeah absolutely you know, is getting that fresh handmade beer from down the street yeah um okay so i want to move shift gears a little bit and Absolutely. go into more like personal stuff with sure. you. I want to get into your beer history. Um, so you've made this your career. I mean, you are, you're a part of this community that you've said before you're born and raised in Seattle. And I'm curious what initially got you into beer and what made you so interested in the first place for it to now be like what your livelihood is. So, um, yeah, so I was born and raised in Seattle and, uh, when, I uh, was in my senior high school thinking about 
where I want to go to college. I uh, decided, you know, I want to go somewhere where I've I have no know nothing about. So I decided to go to this place called Marietta College in Marietta, Ohio. And the first day I had ever set foot in the state of Ohio was the day before I started class. Oh, my God. And uh, I had no idea if I was going to like it. I don't know. But somehow I survived. <laughs> and uh, while, my, while I was there, I was on the uh, rowing team. And the, uh, we had started to build a bit of a reputation around campus for always throwing the best parties. <laughs> and so basically what that kind of morphed into was me running a bar out of my basement for two and a half years like we had we had, we had a house and i had we we built a bar top one of our one of our buddies was like the dj which we had like a little dance floor i had <laughs> i had guys that were like they were my employees that i was paying 15 dollars a night plus all the beer they could drink to be the bartenders and security <laughs> you had a system and we had like we had like built our own beer pong table with like holes cut in the table so like the cups would sit like perfectly okay. and never like slide around. Like, <laughs> you know, we had this whole thing down and we charged, you know, $5 all you could drink and all this kind of stuff. So great time. I had some amazing, amazing times. Personal shout out to some of my friends out there. If you're listening, <laughs> uh, the, the greatest achievement we ever had was we threw a, a pudding wrestling party pudding? Uh, for pudding wrestling. So we got we got 25 gallons of chocolate pudding from Sam's Club. Plus, when we looked online, we found you needed five gallons of chocolate frosting uh, because the chocolate pudding isn't enough of a, uh, for lack of a better word, lubricant. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, like we were doing stuff like that. And so college ended, and I was kind of looking around going, I have no idea what the hell I want to do with my life. So I decided, well, I mean, this bar thing was a lot of fun. Like, why not try and kind of... See if I can, you know, just do that for the rest of my life. Why not? You know, right. like life's a party. Let's just have fun with it. <laughs> and so I uh, started off as a uh, as a busser for Wild Ginger Restaurants in uh -huh. downtown Seattle. Nice. That's where I cut my teeth in this industry <laughs> and uh, worked my way up from busser to um, barback to um, the service bartender, which is a little known position that in the restaurant industry actually Never heard so of it. for for restaurants that are huge like wild ginger uh, the bar the bar isn't making most of the drinks for the floor they actually have a bar that's behind that's on the in, oh. the, in the kitchen so I was essentially like a cook if you will as far <laughs> as drinks? it was just yeah so I had I would have tickets that would just like on a, like on a busy night I would have tickets that would be uh, about six feet long. That's ridiculous. They would just all it just <laughs> and just crushing drinks as fast as I could. I oh mean, I, I, I certainly learned how to how to how to mix cocktails with speed. <laughs> For sure, because um, I would you know I would I would work a full night and honestly, two hours out of that night, I was sweating, maybe almost crying. Like it was just, it was unbelievably intense, but the rest of the night was just spending my time either setting up or breaking down for that two hours of just Damn. insanity. Yeah, no, it's kind of insane. Uh, but then after that, uh, I, uh, I was, I was ready to really kind of break into beer. That's really, when I was really starting to get into craft beer. And, uh, uh what I, age were you at this point? Maybe 24 or so. Okay. And, uh, 
I had applied to a bunch of different places, but nobody really kind of gave me a second chance. And uh, so I started to pursue my Cicerone. Hmm. And it was right at that time uh, that I was actually, the, the irony being I was trying to get my Cicerone to get a job. But about <laughs> six months before I was set to take the uh, test, the certified Cicerone test for the second time, uh, I got a job as a server at Burgundian for two nights a week or for, for, for two days a week for their uh, brunch shifts. And then also within that week, uh, Bottleworks happened to be looking for somebody as well. So I started working for Bottleworks in Burgundian. I didn't know you worked for Bottleworks. I did. I spent, I spent about 14 months working for Bottleworks. Oh, damn. That's why when I was working in Burgundian, I'd always push Bottleworks because it was my homeboys. <laughs> anyway, anyway, those are, the, like, those are my people. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> I basically was working uh, Friday night close at Bottleworks and then... Saturday, Sunday, brunch at Burgundian, and Saturday, Sunday night, close at Bottleworks. I worked uh, two doubles back-to-back with with uh, a close the night before. No. Plus, I'd also bar back on Wednesdays. Oh, my God. At, at Burgundian. <laughs> so, uh, well, hey, you know, if you got a passion, like, no, I'm, yeah, I'm I get sell, it. Sell, sell out for it, you know? Yeah. And uh, so... By about June of, I believe, 2014, uh, I actually quit Bottleworks because I was I just couldn't handle that schedule anymore for about after about 14, 15 months of it. It's crazy, dude. Uh, I was literally going insane, and uh, it just kind of fell into my lap at that same time. There was a big management turnover at Burgundian, and I got offered the position, took it, and I tried to run with it as much as possible. Uh, and it was great. I loved it. At the same time, uh, my girlfriend, who's now my fiance, fiance. and uh, soon soon to be my wife, uh, went went full bore into teaching, and she was working the Monday through Friday nine to five gig, whereas I was working nights and weekends. Yeah, that's and, tough. And uh, I felt I needed to change because, you know, I was working in in, in an industry where predominant amount of the revenue was was generated on nights and weekends yep. and it was gonna be very difficult for me to ever find a balance between that and also truly be satisfied with it so True. yeah i started to look around and i uh, happened to find drew which drew uh the owner of sea pine he's he's one of the best customers of Bottleworks. i uh, i knew he was going through a uh um expansion and this was uh, May of 2015, so just after Seattle Beer Week, I went to him and told him, hey, I'm going to be your sales guy. And he was like, well, I don't have a position for that. And I'm like, well... You need one. You're like, you're, you're like, like, I'm going to create one. Yeah. You need this. Nice, and dude. it basically took me battling and battling with him uh, till I started in November, which was, do the math, six months later. Uh... And, you know, kind of here I am now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess that's a bit of a lesson for anyone else out there that, you know, really is not happy with what they're doing. It just all I can tell you is, you know, work as hard as you can doing what you're doing. And also at the same time, you know, get ready for that next step, whatever that step may be. You know, just make sure you're doing it for the right reasons and everything else will work out, you know. For sure. And this is something that I've talked a lot about. This has been a topic of conversation on this podcast is 
the reason why the beer industry and beer culture is so cool is because it's comprised of so many people that are just following their passion. That's like what it is because it's not a glamorous lifestyle necessarily. It's dope that you get to drink beer all the time and create things, but it's tough. You got to fucking grind and you got to work. And a previous podcast guest left his like high paying engineering job to work in a warehouse for a brewery. You know, it's like, that's the level of like passion that people have that they're willing to give up some levels of comfort to be doing what they want to do. And I feel like that's what makes this industry so intriguing and so fun to be a part of is because it's not people who hate their lives. It's like people are here for a reason. (laughs) They're doing what they really love. Absolutely. No, I mean, listen, I work, you know, 60, 70 hours a week and I don't make all that much money. Uh, that I could be doing, doing something else. However, at the same time, you know, I hang around in bars and drink beer all day. Right. You know, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of bullshit that I have to do with my job driving, you know, driving through, driving from, you know, like Ballard to Renton through rush hour traffic, you know, because I have to go hit one more spot to do just without, you know. Yeah. At the same time, there are days where, you know, I just... Like, it's my job to hang out in a bar where my beers are being paid for by the company that I work for and just, like, hang out and be, bu- and be, be cool as shit. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. As I, as, I, as, I, as I tell our other sales guy that we just brought on, you know, just hang out and be the ultimate badass. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, just, just, like, put out that vibe that, like, yeah. you're cool, Sea Pine's cool, and they should buy a Sea Pine. You know, that's like, what it's about in the end is like the know, energy that you're giving off. Because because so. if you're anything other than not authentic, like people will see that exactly. And you know, just one thing always leads to another. And if you're doing things for the right reasons, like everything will work out. I can tell you that right now. That's cool. I want to. Um, you were talking about taking your like tests for Cicerone. Yes. Are you certified? I'm a certified Cicerone. Yes. That's amazing. Okay, uh, can you talk about that process a little bit? Because that's so fascinating to me because that's like, sounds so fucking hard. <laughs> I took the test the first time before I was actually in the beer industry. Oh, really? Uh, and I was immensely humbled. Uh, the certified <laughs> Cicerone, honestly, was harder than any college class I ever took. I don't doubt it. Like, it, it it's it's something that if if you're thinking about taking it, uh, I would recommend finding a study partner, as in somebody that can push you, because uh, there's a lot of times where you don't want to do the reading, you don't want to do the <laughs> yeah. extra work. But I mean, really, like to to get the certified Cicerone, I would say you need to look, you need to build a small small library of beer books. Oh, absolutely. Read, read all of them front to cover, and and again, mm-hmm. uh, maybe try try your hand at home brewing. For uh, sure. Yeah. Do some traveling. You know, travel to Belgium, travel to Germany, uh, see these different cultures, you know, travel down to San Diego or other great beer cities in, in the United States uh, because it's, it's 200 fill-in-the-blank questions with a couple essays and a tasting portion. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I remember taking that test the second time and going home, opening a bottle of Parabola and drinking it to the dome and... Still not feeling like I was like worthy enough to like I don't know <laughs> live, like it was, it was it was definitely like it racked my my all my senses. Yeah. Um, at the same time, you know, do it. You got nothing to lose. 
Was the, I'm curious about like the tasting portion. Do they like give you something and they're like, what is all the so, ingredients yeah. and where is it from? Uh, no. So so the, uh, the the tasting portion is three different parts. Uh, the first portion they have uh, they put five different beers in front of you. One is a control. No, four four four. Well, four or five different beers. Um, what one is a control, and then the rest all these being the same kind of beer. Uh, and then uh, the, the rest are um, spiked with different off flavors. Got it. So, you know, your diacetyl, your acetylalcohyde, mm-hmm. all those different things that um, just, you know, you need to be able to recognize if you're going to be a certified Cicerone of, you know, like, okay, this is green apple. Like, you know, it was caused by this and, you know, this is, you wow. know, a, a defect in this beer. The second portion, they, they, they take... Um, it's you got to choose you know between say like an American style porter or an English style porter, oh. a Hefeweizen or a Wit, you oh, know. Wow. And so like you have to drink <laughs> this beer and just based on drinking the beer, be able to say, oh this is a Wit or this is a Hef, and here's the reason why. Yeah. You know, like I'm detecting this, this, and this, and not this. You know, say so if like a Hef, you know, it's just like well, it it is orangey, which Hef can be orangey. However, it distinctly tastes coriander. Not clove, um, which you know, like with like wits, it's like more, it's less on the like banana clove, whereas halves are more like bigger on the banana clove characteristic, if you will. You know, so so like you have to have all that internalized as far as these beers are. These beer types are similar, but why are they different? Yeah, and that's more than just a palate thing. I mean, you can expand your palate by drinking a bunch of beer or whatever, but. That's also, like you're saying, all the reading. Because you're not going to be able to be able to distinguish that, like, small of details between beers without knowing how they're brewed and why they're brewed that way and what makes a style a certain style. Ab- so. Absolutely. So, for example, you know, the, the American-style porter versus the English-style porter, um, that's something just knowing that, you know, uh, in England they have a very high minerality content with almost all their groundwater. So mm-hmm. almost all English beers have a very distinctive, well, different because they run under different di- different minerals or in different wells. It's a very distinctive mineral taste of the beer. Whereas mm-hmm. uh, here in America, we actually have pretty pure water for the most part. And so a lot, a lot of American-style porters are going to be a lot cleaner. Um, Got it. Yeah. I don't know if I, I was adding or just... No, you are. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, like, I'm just taking in any information yeah. I can get, then, so that's the, great. So the, and then the, the last part, this beer is either... They, they have a section where uh, it's it's five different beers, and they could either be s- spiked with something or not. And they, it, the, 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 the premise is, is that you are the beverage manager or the bar manager, right? and someone has said, I think there's something wrong with this beer. And you need to be able to taste the beer and say, well, I mean, it does have a little bit of a acetylalcohyde. However, you know, it's a pilsner. So, it like, those actually can have acceptable small, you know, like small levels of acetylalcohyde in that beer. So, while, yes, you know, that is a defect. However, it's a very minimal amount and it's an acceptable level within that style of beer. That's so funny freaking like advanced customer service right there <laughs> to like have that much knowledge about beer that you can provide that much information to someone is like so impressive <laughs> well but that's that's the whole premise yeah. of the cicerone program right. i guess is to kind of standardize 
that knowledge. Um, it's one, it's something mm-hmm. that the you know the wine industry has done a great job with. Definitely. Um, that I think many people in the beer industry are wary of, especially I get, regarding you know Cicerone versus Smollier is, you know, like is this going to kind of create like an elitist class of beer people? And the way I see it is, well, I mean, the people that want to be elitist are going to be elitist anyway. Exactly. And this is more just trying to just provide a standard for beer bars, you know, to say, okay, like this beer is okay for this and this reason, you know, but this right. beer is not. And well, why? And it's like, well, here you go. These are the reasons why, you know, like, there's, and there's definitely that standard in terms of like what people think beer culture is versus wine culture. And, you know, beer culture, in my opinion, is much more chill and it's more accessible. And so I get what you're saying about people being concerned about being like too knowledgeable or too elitist or whatever. But it's like you're saying, if you can just create that standard, then we'd like all be on the same page. And then everyone, not everyone, but, you know, a lot of people would have a lot more information about what they're drinking and what they're tasting and why, instead of just drinking whatever's going to be on tap and, oh, well, I taste hot bitterness and that's what I wanted. So we're good to go. (laughs) Sure. And I think, too, it's like beer culture is always going to have a little bit more relaxed, chill atmosphere anyway. So it's like might as well just have more people be more knowledgeable, knowing that it's not going to change the culture necessarily. It's like. Well, I guess if anything, it's supposed more to just enhance it. Totally. Um, Yeah. In that, you know, instead of saying, you know, here's Sea Pine IPA, enjoy it. You know, it's like, well, no, like this is. Sea Pine IPA, it's 100% Centennial hops. They're grown in Yakima Valley. And just by saying that, you know, you kind of know, oh, like Yakima Valley, like most of the hops there have, you know, like a citrus and pine kind of flavor versus like, oh, this is, you know, like Fuggles hops or Galaxy hops from Australia, you know. And so it's much like how you could say this is a Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, well, Cabernet Sauvignon is usually a bit thicker, a little higher acid, you know. Like, you can kind of already kind of have an idea, and so that you can then dif- differentiate between, right. say, one brewery's versus another's. Yeah. Uh, which, to me, I think is one of the most exciting things about the beer industry is it is that there is so much choice. There's so many people. To me, it's, it's you know, kind of getting back to that, that band analogy. It's like a bunch of local bands versus, you know, just having, like, one or two acts in town. I mean... The cool thing about beer is that, you know, it, it takes a very low investment plus, you know, IPA takes two weeks to turn it around. Whereas, you know, the wine industry, like you got to buy the land, you got to, you got to uh, grow the grapes, which, you know, grapes, wine grapes take, you know, three to five years to yeah. mature to the point which they're ready to be harvested. And then you got to age it in the barrel. And, you know, by the time you got your first batch of wine coming out, it's like five years. Yeah. Whereas I've already brewed a thousand brews, you know, <laughs> totally. like there's, there's a certain level of just like anyone can do it as long as you're passionate about it. And, you know, like you really want to apply yourself, which, you know, more the merrier, you know, like supply and demand, like, <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I want to go out there and make the best beer, but I also love to compete. You know, I love, <laughs> I love to, I, I love to, Go out there and, you know, try and have the best IPA. Yeah, you know? definitely. For sure. All right, we're going to move on to another segment I like to call Drunchies. All right. These are your drunk munchies. Drunk munchies. Yeah, you've been out drinking. Maybe you've 
been working late, been drinking a few with the friends. Sure. And uh, what's your kind of go-to snack you crave? Go-to snack. Well, um, I am I am uh, always uh, a fan of Taco Bell and Taco Time. <laughs> uh, Are they interchangeable? Or is it based uh, on how close one is? Well, I mean, you know, like... There's, there's. I will always have a soft spot, soft spot in my heart for the Crunchwrap Supreme. <laughs> uh, you know, it's yeah. like it's like yeah. eating like hot garbage. Um, <laughs> at the same time, uh, when when you've been consuming liquids, and uh, you don't necessarily care about how your food tastes, you just kind of want to shove something down your face hole. <laughs> uh, it does the job. There you is know? something satisfying about a crunch too. So if you can oh. attain that, then you're good Absolutely. to go. Absolutely. <laughs> um, other drunk munchies, I would say um, poke. Actually. Oh shit! That's I, fucking. I well, but I but I also but, but that's but that's also just. I mean, I just like poke is probably like my favorite food as it is. So, <laughs> you know, like, I mean. Pretty much any any time of the day, you could put a bowl of poke in front of me and I would be Say a very yes. happy person. Uh, I don't know. Things classic, you know, like Dick's cheeseburgers. Yeah. Pizza. Gotta love it. You know, the, uh, the, the restaurant Rue on Fremont Avenue makes some amazing hush puppies. Oh, if you need, if you need some drunk munchies, uh, and you happen to be in the Fremont area, uh, the, the, those hush puppies are probably the best, uh, deep fried corn things I think I've ever had. Uh, certified recommendation right here. Certified, you heard it here first, <laughs> folks. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, that's that's uh, a pretty good. I don't know. I'm I'm kind list. of a larger person. Like I obviously love food as it is, <laughs> uh, but um, I don't know. I I eat it all. That's great. That's good. <laughs> um, all right, another segment I got is called Tales from Behind the Bar. Tales from Behind the Bar. This is where you tell. Horror slash hilarious slash memorable moments from all your years of working from behind a bar. I've got a great one. So uh, it was a Sunday night. Uh, I believe about this time two years ago. Sunday night. It's about 10, 11 o'clock at night. So late for a Sunday. So there's basically nobody there. Yeah. Our... our uh, and his uh, absolutely psycho uh, ex-fiance sitting at the bar. Oh, no. And this gentleman walks in. He sits down, and I already could tell he was kind of under the influence of things. But, frankly, the night had been a little, little dull that night. And <laughs> uh, he, seemed, he was a pretty small guy, and he didn't look like he had any weapons on him or anything. So... <laughs> No matter what happens, you know, like... It'll be good. <laughs> it's, a, it's okay. Like, let's just kind of see where this goes. Let's see where this goes. He says, like, can I get, like, your house Cabernet? And I was like, okay. And so he pours me the Cabernet. Or I, I pour him the Cabernet. And then he starts launching this thing. Well, can you tell me about the Can you tell me about the wine? And I'm like, I didn't really know too much about the wine. I was like, well, it's uh, <laughs> from California. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know. A little while later, he turns back to me and he goes, I just love to dance. Oh, no. I just want to dance right now. <laughs> and I'm like, well, this, this, you know, this is not a place where you can dance. He's like, you should really put on ABBA. If you put on ABBA, no. I'm going to dance. 
I'm going to dance right now. And I'm like, well, sir, I can tell you one thing right now. We're not putting on ABBA. <laughs> I'll play any music except for ABBA right at this moment in time. He's like, oh, well, I'll have you know, I know the guy who owns this place. Oh, do you really? And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I was like, call him up. Which I knew, I knew, I knew Vern at the time was like, I'm pretty sure like he was like not in town or something. Like, oh my God. Pretty sure he was like, like at the, like the lake house. Like I just, yeah. like, like I knew like, you know, there was no way that, okay, yeah. A, there's no way he knew Vern. Cause I kept asking him like, oh yeah, I, I, like what's his name again? And he kept like evading the question. And then, you know, he was like, oh, like I'm going to call him right now. I'm going to call him right now. And I was just like, okay, No. Basically, it got to a point where he was the only person I've ever actually 86th. Oh, really? Yeah. A fish 86th. And so, and so basically, he was halfway through drinking his wine. He, I can't remember exactly what he was trying to do, but I basically grabbed him by the scruff of his neck and was like, okay, dude, time for you to get the fridge out so right he, now. So he was just like not aware of his, what was going on. Right, yeah. Yeah. So Jesus Christ. I threw him out the door, like pretty much threw him out the door. And uh, like I went and told the kitchen staff because they I think they had like the door open to, the, to that kitchen mm-hmm. just to be like, hey, man, just somebody out there just being <laughs> crazy. You know, about 10 minutes later, we saw him sprinting up and down from Lenny's down to I think it was like 57th <laughs> and back. Like he was just like doing what? laps. Yeah, uh, it was pretty funny, uh, and it certainly made that Sunday night kind of like the end of it kind of go by quickly. All right, so I've only got one last part. All right. Of this, and it's a game we play at the end. All right. It's a word right. association game. All right. Called Quick Takes. All right. So what's gonna happen? I've got a list of ten words. They're all beer-related words. Okay. I'm gonna say them like rapid fire. So I'm gonna say a word, and you're gonna reply with the first thing that comes to your mind based on the word I give you. All right. Are you ready? Um, you know, I'm ready to end my career. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. Growler. Overrated. Tap. Uh, useful. <laughs> Pint. Inefficient. Pretendomyces. Delicious. Cellaring. Fun. <laughs> Fermentation. Necessary. Rye. Delicious. Uh, wart. My cat. Is that the name of your cat? That's the name of my cat. That's incredible. Yeah. Oh my, God. My, 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 my fiance said it as a joke, and I was like, oh, that's totally the cat's name. <laughs> and so now her name is w- w- Warty. And it's really funny every time that we go to the vet because the vet always goes, so uh, where did you get your cat's name from? <laughs> And I say, oh, it's like the skin lesion. <laughs> they always go, oh, Interesting. who the hell is this person? <laughs> you know, and then I go, no, no, it's actually so wort is unfermented beer. Okay. But it's 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 really funny because every single time uh, I tell people the name of my cat, unless people know what wort is, it's a very <laughs> funny interaction. <laughs> Way better if you had no idea. <laughs> okay, two more. Dry hop. Delicious. You're just giving the same keywords. I love these things, though. Gravity. Gravity. Um, the, the, the actor who was in Miscogeniality. Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. 
amazing. <laughs> Sorry, that's two words. I think we just need to finish our beers. Okay, so Steve just put that down real fast. <laughs> I, I still got a couple gulps. Great job, mine. guys. <laughs> we all we all worked hard, battled in the trenches. Fun was had by all. Oh, we did it. Especially did it. all the uh, brewery guys that watched us uh, while we were uh, doing this. <laughs> they all had very hilarious smirks on their face. Uh, I think they were just jealous, probably. All right, Steve, thank you so much for being my guest. Absolutely. Thanks, thanks, thanks for coming down to Sea Pine, checking yeah. out Sea Pine. Uh, yeah, I had a great time. You showed me around. We drank some great beer, and that's what this podcast is all about. Excellent. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>